House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He is Jason. You know, in the olden days, Jace, of this pod, maybe four, five, six years ago, yeah, the Kipchoge news would have warranted an emergency pod. It's true. But now we're both older, <laughs> both busier. We had to wait about, what, five, six days <laughs> since this news broke? Yeah, it came out, what, the morning after we released last week's podcast, as, I, as usual? And I think it was barring some sort of crazy other story, like completely out of left field. It was like the biggest possible story that could come out at this time of year would have been Kipchoge deciding to run Boston, right? That Like it couldn't get any bigger, any more monumental than this. I'm thinking about great moments in marathon history. Of course, the first first one, right? First ever marathon. That was a big day. Marathon oh, yeah. history. It's good. You know, I, I, out there, out there in Greece. Then you got the advent of those tinfoil blankets. Mm. That's probably important event number two. Yeah, for creating a timeline. Still not sure how good those are. I, but yeah, it's a thing you, that stuck around. Yeah, number three, I would say, you know, the first person who decided to cut the Costco muffin into four chunks. But I don't know if that's marathon mm. specific. That's more just road races in general. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Mm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's that's exactly. It's road races. It's uh, any community, five k, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. So because that's not in play, the third most important event in marathon history took place last week, and that was when Iliad Kipchoge said he's going to Boston. He's going to do it. This is everything we've all been waiting for. What was your first reaction? And your second reaction and your third, because it's been so many days since we've done a <laughs> podcast. Give me your top 10 reactions. Yes. So I'm going to go in reverse order. Number 10. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, at first I was just like, awesome. Like, I mean, I was just like excited because it, mm-hmm. like, I thought there was a chance it could happen for sure. You know, he, he threw it out there, but you just, you know, Kipchoge is just like, I don't know, this thing you can't fully pin down. He's just he, he you believe anything, but also like he might say, "Yeah, I'm going to run Boston someday," and he's 50 and he's running Boston. And I'm like, "All right, he was right." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's obviously still in his prime, um, which is impossible, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. He's running mm-hmm. Boston. Uh, somebody else is running 201, so maybe he's going to even want to prove something that much more. Um, I'm glad the 20 this 201 happened after he said he was going to run Boston. Because, I don't know, do you think there's any chance that he's like, wait, I need to lower this world record more, and I can't do that at Boston? <laughs> well, he can't, he can't do it at Boston. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. So, like, if, but if, but if Kipton runs 201 a week before he announces this, does he go, well, maybe, should I lower Oh, it? I get what you're saying. Should I put this thing at 200.30? I get what you're saying. No, I don't think he's motivated by that. So much as he, he's also probably supremely confident, and he knows Valencia is a moving sidewalk at this point. For sure, like I, I I think he's and he probably knows. Hey, that guy's probably not going to go back to Valencia again. He's probably going to go to London. He's probably going to go to Berlin, and that means he'd need to be straight up faster than me. And then that's just not 
that not that's not happening. But that is an interesting thought. I saw there was an article in uh, in the in the Boston Globe. This project to uh, land Ilya Kipchoge was called Project Eagle, which is just great. Wow. Which is just great. I want to be part of a project, not in any serious capacity, yeah, not yeah, in any yeah, sort sure. of life or death thing, but I want to work in a field one day or pursue some sort of endeavor where I get to name it Project Blank. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think, you know, my best, I'd be the guy who's like running up and bringing a coffee on the side. And he's like, I said two creams, damn it. And he <laughs> throws it at me or something. But You're ruining Project Eagle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I agree. I mean, I did not hear about the Project Eagle part, but that makes me just even happier that Kipchoge is like, you know, priority one. And like, he's just this, this, this legendary thing. It's like, Hey, can we, can we land the rover on Mars? Can we get Kipchoge to Boston? Well, I felt the same way and it's to a lesser extent and it was never going to happen because of sponsorship things, but getting Bolt to the pre-classic, I felt what was was would have been cool just because yeah. you want to see him in the venue now he ran at Penn Relays he ran in New York it's not as if he'd never run in the United States but you wanted him in the venue for yeah. Kipchoge you want him in the venue but then there's also this big goal hanging out there of getting all the world marathon majors and this would be six of seven so he has something to gain by going there and obviously Boston has something to gain by getting him I can't think of a bigger announcement as i mentioned before than than this i i enjoyed this uh tweet from our friend uh nick sicardi of nbc sports uh some wonder how kipchoge will do on a course that isn't a pancake i asked his coach patrick sang after kipchoge's latest world record sang's response have you been to kenya (laughs) that's a great response um did you answer him nick tell (laughs) us what you said have you been to kenya yes or no sir and also, does anybody wonder what Kipchoge can do anywhere? Like, are I we wonder, still at that point? I wonder how fast he can go on the course. That's sure. what I wonder. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I don't what, think that's he's a gonna, fair question. Yeah, he's not going to get to the first hill and be like, what is this? <laughs> I was not told there'd be an elevation gain on this marathon. But I do think it's tough because the Mutai record... You know, we love the Muay Thai record, right? Because it it's happened great. during this the life now, of the show. Now, ever since it hasn't been the fastest time ever run, it's great. Yeah, and that time two hundred three hundred two will always stick in my head because it was so far out there. Yeah, but that had such great, <laughs> such great wind behind him. Yeah, that I don't even know. Can Kipchoge's just greatness is it more powerful than that wind on in in twenty eleven? That's what I want to know. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's the most fascinating thing because it's such an outlier, and um, yeah, and we just know how Kip, how great Kipchoge is, and I expect him to run, you know, the the course record on wherever he decides to run. Yeah. Um, but that is that was such exceptional circumstances, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's obviously we don't expect anything close to that day to occur again, but it's like, yeah, give him a neutral weather day, right? Just like solid weather, sure. nothing, nothing bad. Um, and it's like, I don't know. It's, I, I, I still think he has a good run at it at the, at the very least, which is not really going out on a limb or anything, but yeah, I think he can get it. Evan Shabet's in the race. Who's won two in a row. Benson Kiprutu won Chicago. Everybody, but I mean, those two guys would be the guys you'd list. Now, I guess you'd throw in 
Kelvin Kiptum just because he ran 201 in Valencia, but in his debut, I should add. But he's going to have solid competition. This isn't like they cleared the entire field for him. But he said in the – there was a media availability I think a couple days ago where he said what you'd expect him to say. Hey, it's all about the win, not really focused on the time. But I think those guys are going to push. I don't think those guys are going to just sit back. Like that's a lot of really high-quality guys. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if they just hang out. Another thing that I thought was kind of surprising, he said that he's not going to go there ahead of time, which – it's kind of weird to think about because I guess, you know, the first time you're in London, he wasn't too familiar with it. I don't know if there was a shorter race that he did around there, but it's just because it's flat, it's sort of Easier similar to running on a yeah. track. It's like, it's like you don't need to go run on every track to get the feel for the track. Right. But like when he runs in on this course in Boston, it will be the first time he's set foot up those hills, down those hills, around those corners. And I know he'll be able to mimic the hills, but just the course itself, you would think he'd want some sort of familiarity with it. But he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, <clears throat> on the surface, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's It makes sense. Like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you want to get there? But then it's like Kipchoge is just like, well, I'd rather just go out and – read a poem by a lake and i'm like all right yeah that probably works just as well i don't know like <laughs> whatever he decides i'm like yeah that's that yeah. makes more sense than what i was well, thinking so well it's tough it's on a street street has cars i get it but you see oftentimes american athletes get out there and run portions of the course as as prep yeah just to get just to get a feel of like okay this is where yeah this is at and i can but yeah i, mean, I guess i guess when you're just dominating the sport for close to 10 years and every marathon you run you just yeah, I don't know. So I mean, it's it's whatever he's doing is working. So yeah, I guess I'm not gonna not gonna argue with it. But I'm I'm pumped now. I'm just like contemplating, like, man, do I do I make my first trip to Boston and Ooh. do that? Try to do a little that in Red Sox. Red Sox. Who do, who do the Red Sox play that week? It's good. Do they play? Uh, have they released the schedule for that yet? Oh yeah, they released the schedule a couple months ago because this is the different scheduling for the MLB. You play every team now, so maybe. If it's Red Sox Cubs, I think you have to oh go. Oh god, that would be uh, that would be insane. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tell me three MLB schedule. What? Here, look up which day's Boston. Yeah. Let's see here. Boston Marathon twenty twenty three. It is April seventeenth. All right. So let's see. Who do they play? Because there is a game that day. The Angels. Oh, if Atani's pitching that day, that'd be the, that'd be the best <laughs> thing ever. You, you might not Otani find out just and Elliot Kipchoge. That might be like two of my five favorite athletes in the world right now. Really interesting. Otani is just oh, one wow. of the most yeah. lovable players I've seen in a long time. Um, we've had a few discussions about how we both want the Dodgers and Cubs to get him when he becomes free agent yeah, fu- after next future year. Dodger. Um, future I, Dodger. I hope in future Cub, but I don't think the Cubs will pay for him. Um, but he's just so likable and, and so good. And then Kipchoge, of course, is the, is the best. Okay, the day after, too, you could check out Twins Red Sox. Okay. <laughs> no? Nothing? All right. I mean, you know. I mean, I, I, I'd love to go to Fenway. And it's, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing the, uh, the Patriots Day Red Sox game is an is a expensive ticket, if I, had to, if I had to guess. It is. Well, and you, it overlaps, too. So you would have to choose. I don't think you'd be able to see both, right? So. Oh, that's right. I, I thought it was starting right after the marathon finished, but I guess it does start. 
Hold on. Before what then? is what it says eleven AM Eastern. I think they're still go I forgot when I went to Boston. Yeah, and now I'm like missing up the Eastern stuff. Well, one way or the other. I wouldn't go to the game if it if it affected you know, crossed over with the marathon, but uh I don't know, man. Maybe but that's Sunday though, the day before. We should meet out there. there. Go to a go to a you know, go to a Fenway, watch the marathon. Yeah. Be good times. I mean, they're playing the Angels Saturday and Sunday, so maybe Otani. And actually, in the past years, Otani always pitched Sundays. Wait, why? Because uh, he was he. They had him pitching once a week, as opposed to every five days. Okay. Um, I don't know if they're continuing that or not, but uh, yeah, he was he was like their designated Sunday starter. Okay. Anybody, if you listen to the pod and you work in the Angels front <laughs> office, send us an email. Just give me Otani's yeah starting schedule. Um, it's not that far into the season. No, you so could probably I mean, yeah. map it out, right? Yeah, because I, I he's going to be. Yeah. Don't you think he'll pitch one of those games? It's a three or four game series. So yeah, I, I would. I, I would guess he's going to pitch. Uh, pitch that Sunday. I don't Oof. know for sure. Dude, that'd be a great column you could write too about seeing two of the <laughs> two of the greats right there. That's back true. To back. That's awesome. So they called this thing Project Eagle. I think getting you to Boston, we need a name for it. Mm. Project yeah. Celtics, Project Patriot, Commonwealth. Uh, oh man, that's a good, a good question. Project Jason goes to Boston for the first time. Mm, that's good. That's good. That's nice. It rolls off the tongue. Two sporting icons. Project Tea Party. Um, pro- I don't know. What I, if come this, with something good? Are we? Hold on. Let me just add another layer to this. I don't know if this will be true. And then we'll move on after this. But what's the NBA season looking like at that point? Mm. It's true. And this is only like Are just over a week before I leave. For, I'm just realizing this is just over a week before I leave for London. So this might be more difficult than I was thinking. But no, you need to prioritize here. Um, April 17th. Is that is the season over? Regular season? That's probably right be. on the end of the regular season, right? Yeah. So what if there's Bulls Celtics first round playoffs? Oh, man. To go and watch the Bulls just get smoked by the Celtics. No, but in this in this simulation, the Bulls are up 3-0. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I like this a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying. could be possible. Um, all right. We'll move on unless you have anything else to say. I think I share your enthusiasm and also just a little bit of hey i can't believe this actually worked out yeah yeah exactly like and that's that might be one of the biggest things because you know as we know as track and field and marathoning whatever fans like very few things go exactly the way you want them to so Mm -hmm. this is awesome um yeah i mean he's just got new york you know to go and that doesn't seem that doesn't seem unlikely either i mean maybe not this year but like who knows yeah well, I think that increases the chances that it's New York, right? This year, the, he's not going to do six and not do the seventh. That would be. That, I mean, that's the, I think he's definitely going to do it. It's just a matter of maybe it's it's this year or next year. Yeah, but if the come down off of his peak is is as slow as his rise, we have another ten years. But even if it's the window has been extended. Yes, absolutely. we didn't think it was going to go this long, but it's hard to. I feel as if you could go. He has the option of 23. 24 might be a little tricky right after the Olympics. Mm, that's and true. he usually only likes, to do, only likes to do two, but it's the latest of any of those fall marathons. 
But I even think 25 would be a possibility. Maybe he ends it there. Do you think he's planned any of this out? Do you think he has his own? Does he have a Project Elude going on? Or is he just... Man, it's so hard. Because I could see him having the next five years planned out, like, at breakfast every day, like, planned out specifically. But also, if it's the exact opposite, and he literally has nothing planned, and he's just going Mm -hmm. like, hey, what's the way, you know? I think I'm going to run Boston. Like, maybe that's what he just said when he woke up in the morning. And he was like, all right. Let's make the call. Yeah. Project Eagle people were like, yes. We did it. Amazing. Best Project Eagle ever. You brought up Valencia. You brought up Kelvin Kiptum, who's 23 years old and ran 201.53. Yeah. Fourth fastest time in history behind two Kipchoge bangers and one Bekele win in in Berlin. Second half split 60-15. You could even argue this wasn't the craziest winning result because in the women's side, Gade lost. Now, Gade ran 216, which is great. It's a very good debut. You would have, I would have said that was in and of itself a big story, although people got crazy with the 212 predictions with her. But that's a, that's a, that's a good run. But then she gets beat by two min, almost two minutes by Amani Bariso, whose PR was 220. Yeah, I'd never heard of her. I'll just and ha- yeah, yeah. yeah, no one had heard with her, uh, heard of her. And the rabbits <laughs> stayed with Gade. So Bariso. That's weird. Yeah, so she runs the third fastest in history without the benefit of rabbits over the last few miles and does it coming off of a 220 PR. I guess I shouldn't assume. Which result do you think is more surprising? Yeah, I think Bariso is more surprising. I mean, they're both surprising for sure. Um, just because 201 is pretty untouched territory. Um, and it's not exactly like, you know, Kiptum is this guy we expected this from like he'd run some no good half marathons but not even like crazy mm-hmm. by today's standards half marathons yeah so like they both really came out of nowhere basically um yeah at, at least compared to what they what they did um but yeah i oh man i would say i think i think bariso slightly more surprising maybe just because there's like more resume there and so it's like and by more resume i mean like a longer resume of like so it's even more surprising, like, where the hell did this come from? Because um, she, like, hadn't done much over the past several years. Um, and Correct. You yes, know, that's a good way to put it. I mean, hasn't it, done much I mean the where Skiptum is, like, at least really young and, like, it's still shocking. But, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's, I think they were both, you know, Barisos a 10 out of 10 uh, and Skiptum's a 9 out of 10, something like that. Yeah, and if people, I mean, you want to be skeptical about it, by all means, I get it. I'm not going yeah. to tell people not to be skeptical. Yeah, but also, and also, I don't want to down downplay the the achievement of running that fast for either of them because, in both cases, only two other people have run faster in history. But Valencia is insanely fast. I think we yes. need to just <laughs> let that. Yeah, that that is a thing that we. It know was a perfect day. True and. Yeah. The, Weather was yeah exactly the weather was great but everything is fast in in Valencia we know that to be true we've had some big name people run in Valencia but it's not as if we've had Kipchoge run in Valencia right we haven't Which, had do you kind of want Kipchoge to run in Valencia like a little bit no I don't no I don't really care about the time I 
didn't I say last time I just I kind of stopped caring about the times with him at this point? Yeah, but the I only just, thing that makes me care a little bit is like, could he go sub two? <laughs> like, he could because and, it and, is. I th- and that's the I, only thing that makes me go, okay, I want this because yeah, him running two oh thirty obviously would be amazing and it'd be great. But like the chance that he could run sub two on a legit course, um, yeah, that that to me is enough where I'm like, eh, I kind of want to see it. Yeah, and again, you, we've seen really good people on the course, but we, it doesn't have the history, right? No, and we haven't sure. seen we haven't seen Kipchoge. It's not as if we have a Paula Radcliffe time from Valencia that we can compare to her her London time. And the weather being great matters too. So I'm not saying you put Kipton in in London and he runs 207. I'm not saying that. I'm, like there was enough. I mean, this was deep. It wasn't just a story of these two people. It was everybody running fast. These these people running a little bit quicker. <laughs> Uh, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of Dubai, except the people are higher profile and the weather is even better. Yeah. More turns, though, because Dubai had three, <laughs> uh, and this has more. But I, I just – I think we can't underrate how quick the course is uh, when it comes to talking about this. Again, they're both insanely fast times, and – I'm really interested to see what they're going to do in the spring on a course that we have a little, you know, more data points on. Uh, but I think if we had 20 years of history at Valencia, or even 10 years of history in Valencia, then we'd be able to put it in a little bit better context. But again, I don't want to be the guy that's downplaying. It just reminds me of like the BU track, right? <laughs> Like these these outsized times, right? And I, I think we've had emails and messages about that comp in the past, or even the, you know, the Claremont, Florida track, where you have the yep. the perfect wind behind you. Um, it's it's a special place, not just at this distance, right? That's where Gaudet set the half record, the five k record, or, or the um, the on, on the men's side, you got fast times there as well too. So it's it's insanely quick. It is an insanely, insanely quick course. So we'll see what they do next. But I'm trying to think which one which one surprised me more. Yeah, I agree. It's it's probably Bariso. Just because if you have slow times are slow, 220, I get it. That's not slow. But I'm saying for this conversation, it is. Yeah. A, a slow time to a fast time is more surprising in a way than no time to a fast time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, even even though you know the women's times lately have been insane, <clears throat> and excuse me, it might coming off being sick. So if I start coughing or anything, apologies. Yeah, um, you're all good, man. You're all good. You're doing great. But uh, we all love you here. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's a good point about Valencia. You know, I saw <clears throat> I think on the men's race, it was like the second time ever four men have gone sub two hundred four in the same race, and the other time was yeah, Valencia yeah. twenty twenty. So yeah, <laughs> it's. It's real fast. It's really, really fast. Um, still insane. You know, I don't. I don't know. You know how we compare this to like Berlin. Like, I don't know if we have a. It's hard to do a direct one to one. Is it a? Is it a minute faster? Is it thirty seconds faster? Whatever yeah, it is, right. it's hard to know. Um, but either way, this is something we see at Valencia from time to time. Um, but it obviously, time, o- opens your <laughs> opens your eyes to just like okay, well, these are people who are going to be headlining big races at some point because they're going to yeah. have 201 and 214 next to their names. And um you know the way they closed, I mean obviously <clears throat> to cl- like you mentioned, you know Kiptum negative splitting and, and closing in whatever 6015. I mean yeah, that, that's crazy. That's 
pretty insane. Um, and that's like kind of, I don't know, it feels like it tells you something. Barisco, Bariso, um, you know, out doing the world Good record day. holder. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it not, not in that event, but obviously everyone expected Good day, including myself. I thought she'd probably go sub 215. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, th- th- that matters, you know, even if, even if we take the times with a grain of salt, these are still obviously crazy, impressive performances, um, completely out of nowhere, obviously, just completely, completely shocked. Uh, as far as, like you mentioned, that the pacer is not going with her when she, yeah. when she separates from G'day. Especially there's multiple, if it's one thing, it's one pacer, and it's like, hey, no. <laughs> I got <laughs> yeah, paid to be G'day's pacer. I guess I'm not going to mess with that. But like when you got four pacers, what's the, I get it happens quickly, I guess, but it still seems like crazy to me. Well, they all got paid to be G'day's pacer. They weren't pacing the race. They were pacing her. For sure. And yeah. they had the meet organizer, the race director, probably knew Bariso, but probably had no clue that she was capable of 214.58. For sure. Nobody, and probably, nobody did except her coach, apparently. And probably told the Pacers, you stick with G'day. Yeah. Like she's, the, she's the person who's going to pursue the world record. Stay with her because you don't, you don't know – a hundred percent if that move is going to be a smart move when it's made and what do you do if okay you go with bariso for 200 meters or a half a mile because she's making this long drive for home like four or five whatever miles it was away <laughs> and then falls apart and then meanwhile g'day is just running by herself the problem is marathons are so long that you you it's not like a track race where it just like becomes really clear. Hey, this person is the person that we need to go with. And yeah, I, you can't really call an audible midway through. So they told them stay with G'day. So they stayed with G'day and I, it definitely would have helped Bariso. Now she had some men out there to run with who were just in the regular race. Yeah. I don't think she breaks the world record either way. Yeah, that's another. I mean, I know, minute. I know. You know, yeah. I think I think her coach said she you know she would have broken it. Blah blah. blah. I, I I don't. They were slowing. Um. Yeah. Leading into yeah. that, the the only thing I would say is, I absolutely agree. If it's if it's halfway, if it's twenty five k, if it's whatever, someone makes a move, you don't know. I mean, there was like five k to go when they were set. Like, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, but their job is to her. No, I get it, but like that's yeah. I don't know. I feel like five k to go where one runner is surging and the other one's falling off the pace. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it it's hard. Like you have to make these things in the moment, and yeah. it's like you know whatever communication is happening there. It's it's not the easiest thing to do, but I think overall it's like, hey, if 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 it, when it gets down to two, and you're like at thirty k or something like that, can you just communicate basically be like, hey, if uh, you know, if one of them makes a break, maybe yeah. two of you go with. Yeah, one and two stay with the other. Like I mean, it's just like what's you don't need four pacers for the for the final, you know, five k. Yeah. Well, this is the difference between a race and a record attempt, and this was a record attempt for sure. Yeah, because it just it, it it makes things not fair. But the whole point was just to see how fast they could run. I have a hypothetical for you, or I have a question for you. So yeah. let's take Kiptum for example. What's more likely? His time starts to become a little bit more normal or he's the dude like he's the next dude because if it's not normal right if the if 201 still means in five years what it means today 
and he's and he consistent. Or I guess the third option is he's a one hit wonder. What right. I mean, I. If by the dude, like I, you know, I'm never going to put the next Kipchoge on anybody. No, no, no. Obviously, no. I just meant the dude. but like, you know, could he be like the next like main guy? Like, yeah, it's a. I'm, I'm willing to accept that that possibility for sure. Um, I, I don't know. We just we haven't seen. You know, we haven't seen many 202s. Um, seen a few though in the last seen- in the last few like few years. Really, I mean, it's so looking at this right now. Um, you got Legese, you got Garamu, you got Kometo's world record. I'm not going to count that, but like Ikiru ran 202.57. So that's the only one from the last couple of years. Yeah. Chibet did it in 2020. That was, and that was 203 flat. So you got yeah. less than 10 202 guys. Yeah. You know, f- four Kipchoge. <laughs> uh, and a few were in, you know, 2019. So it's like, yeah. the, there's still the list of two nineteen guy or two two, two sub two or three guys is still like five people long. Yeah. So I, I think it's a big jump to be like, okay, two oh one's gonna become happenstance. I, I just I'm not there. So I do think this is I think it's an outlier performance. Um I don't think necessarily he's gonna be like the guy. Um he could certainly be really good, but I also don't expect him to, you know, whatever in, in London and Berlin be running two oh two consistently or anything like that i mean i guess so you think it's number three you think it's number three he's more like a one race wonder type of situation yeah i mean i guess but i you know i don't want to say he's a complete flash in the pan but like if you were to say hey is he gonna so so if you're gonna be the guy you gotta win what over three in a row yeah so you have to win at least three majors is that fair yeah in kipchoge adjusted terms yeah so yeah i mean if if it's like hey he's gonna win at least three majors um yeah yeah. He's, you know, which it's not insane. I mean, Kipchoge can. You talking about career once. wise or in a row? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I guess you know, if you win three out of four or something like that, because yeah, you, yeah. you're allowed a loss here or there. And it, he even said after the race, he's not ready to race Kipchoge. Um, Smart guy. Which, which I, yeah, I, I, I liked that response. Um, but I, I do think two hundred one still an outlier. Like I just, I just don't, I don't, and I know on the women's side, we've seen like the crazy breakthrough in times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we got that with the men, like 2019, right? And that's when everybody started running 203 all the time and 202, and and so now we see, <clears throat> now we see that a little more often. But like it's it's kind of stayed steady with the men for, you know, it it it, it hasn't grown since then. Maybe, maybe it will. Maybe this is the, the sign of things to come. But I think we're already there with the yeah. men, where the women are now settling into whatever 217 is the standard winning time. And then there's going to be multiple women who can run, you know, two sixteen, fifteen, forty. Yeah. Well, I just look at the guys on this list. There's a you get past the you know Kipchoge and Bekele is up there in the top twenty all time. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who you have not heard of. Yeah. That much. Right. So, but they're not. They didn't run as fast as Kiptum ran. So part of me thinks, okay, his shoes. But some of these other guys had the shoes too. But I just that's where I get back to the course and think, okay. Is Valencia if, – if Valencia is a minute faster than Berlin, the time makes a lot of sense to me. Because if we're talking about a 202 high yeah. instead of a 201 high, then it's Legese, Garamu, Ikiru, and then you go into 203 lows. There's even more names that 
you're like, oh, okay. They had it. Not to say they weren't good, right? They ran well. Yeah. Uh, but but they they never were. Oh, this person is the this even this you know clear number two behind Kipchoge. But here's but also like we have some Valencia. We have we don't have we don't have zero Valencia data, right? We have some Valencia data, and some of these like Evans Chabet ran two o three in in Valencia, right? Yeah, like that's that was the course record until Saturday or Sunday. And Evans Chabet's um, really good, but he also hasn't really approached that time again. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So. But 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 then but then you get into the like okay well how many you know, did he run Berlin did he run London right and then number two of all time Lawrence Chirono who's now banned yeah he ran two o three but he's banned so that kind of makes things complicated uh, he ran two o four in Amsterdam and two o five again he didn't he didn't have this like he didn't have an opportunity in one of these other you know marathons where we create this you know solid benchmark I guess Legesse. Is another guy twenty twenty ran two hundred three sixteen. He had run faster in Berlin two years prior. But then you're like, all right, you have just a crap day in Valencia in twenty twenty, and is a crap day. Like, you know, could could you still run that fast having a crappy day because it's Valencia? That's my question, I guess. Right. Yeah. No. Well, it's it's yeah. it's yeah. It's a good point. It's 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 so hard with these to know exactly. We know it's very very fast, but outside of that, it's it's tough. And we know Berlin yeah, I mean, is really really fast, you know, but. Yeah, I'd venture to say it's certainly not slower. Uh, maybe a minute is aggressive, and someone probably has all the math and can tell me that it's. it's not, but I don't. I think it's it's probably in that range, but I don't. I don't know. And again, then you have the wet. So then it's not just the course, right? It's the conditions on that day. Yeah. As well, and that that is a big decider too. And some of these other days, the weather wasn't as as good. So, yeah. We knew it would be fast. It was fast. It is basically the same as a major, I'll say. It's the eighth major. Eighth major? How many majors are we on now? <laughs> the eighth, right? There, uh, it was six, and then they added seven. Tokyo, yeah. yeah. Tokyo's the seven, and then and – then. I mean, because other, other races have, like, good fields. It's like, oh, Amsterdam winner. Like, that's an important race. But Valencia – on uh, men and women, they attract. If Gaudet is choosing to debut there, yeah. <clears throat> to me, that means it's it's belongs in that top tier. And then you see the times. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you know it's it's with with how fast it's been and you know how many impressive times they've had. They're going to get <clears throat> some serious, you know, some serious talent if nothing else. Even if it's not established marathon talent necessarily, but they're going to get the great debuts. Not to mention they're in December, so it's like if you're you know, good day, and you're a track athlete, and it has will not do anything to your season. It's like this is perfect. Mm-hmm. I can do it in yeah. the middle of the winter. Um, you know, run really fast, and it's 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 a obviously a, a perfect debut type of course. Um, True. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's a serious race, even if you know the times are insane, but makes for makes for fun. Yeah, different different flavor, right? Like different. Some courses play fast. Some of them play slow. That's a golf uh, reference, Jace. Yeah, yeah. You ever hit the stick? You ever take the sticks out from time to time? Give them a whirl. You know. Okay. Good. Uh, World Athletics announced the athletes of the year, and their decision will shock you. <laughs> Mondo, Sydney, 
They won it. Yep. It's like the SEC championships from a few years ago. Am I right, guys? Uh, <laughs> I wish they'd announced the top five, like the order, because then I could get mad about things. It's a good point. They didn't. Yeah. I'm I'm not upset about it. I had a slightly different pick, but overall, I, I, I there was not, this was not the wrong answer. That's for sure. The coolest stat coming out of this award ceremony was that Arian Knighton won the Rising Star Award for the second year in a row. It's good. And he's still eligible for the next year. <laughs> I, so once once you've run 1249, how? 1949. Yeah, so 12. I don't know where the hell I came, pulled that from. It's like, are you talking about a hurt? Yeah, I, was, I, don't, I have no idea where the 12 came from. Uh, once you're in 1949, I'm trying to think what he'd have to do to win the Rising Star again, but not be the athlete of the year. Oh, easily. He'd, if he runs anywhere near that, he'll get it again, wouldn't he? No, because if he runs 19-4 again, like he's, then it's like, oh, well, he, he didn't get any better. Oh, but he's still better than... Rising Star just means you're, ju- you're U20. It doesn't mean you're rising. No, but I, I feel like there has to be you're an element You're taking the of, rising part. Yeah, I feel like you have to be getting better. No, 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 no. I think it's it's solely just be- – it should just say U-20 Athlete of the Year. And there's no possible way that there's going to be a better male U-20 athlete next year than Aaron Knight. So he should win it next year. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, bored. that's just a bad name then because I yeah. don't like the Rising Star thing. Because it's like – It's like winning Comeback Player of the Year three times. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Most improved player again? Did I get worse in the offseason and then come back? They should do that one time. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. He I mean, he's great. And I, you know, look forward to him being, you know, hopefully he can win both awards next year. He's gonna run nineteen nineteen and uh get rising star and athlete of the year. Yeah, see that would be that would be the the easiest of doubles, I think. He should pull that off. Um All right. You wanna move on to email? Yeah. So first of all, actually we got a tweet, because remember Marshall was asking about buying tickets for world champs in Budapest. Yeah. And we asked for help from Martin, who's been to every single world champs. And he said, buy a season pass, buy a, not a season pass, a uh, all sessions pass. Is that correct? Do I have that terminology Yes, correct? I believe that was what he just said. I was just looking at that. I'll pull it up right now. Uh, would recommend purchasing the season ticket option. Oh, yes, it is season ticket option that covers all all seasons. I guess seasons, sessions. I don't know what we're doing here. Um, ludicrously, this was not an option at Eugene, the only world champs not to have this. So, save some money, and then I guess you can sell some back, maybe, if you don't end up going to some of the sessions. Maybe you're not there on the first day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to try to hit all of them, you might as well do the uh, do the big purchase then. Yeah. I'll lock it in, and that way it doesn't, uh, doesn't hang over you the entire time. Uh, all right. Next up from Taylor, he says, while I would love – this is a separate line, Jason in Ohio. When are you going to Ohio again? New Year's Eve? Uh, I think New Year's Eve is the, is the, okay. is the plan for work. It's terrific yeah. that you're going to be there. Uh, while I would love to be the one to give the tour of Cincinnati, I'm currently Columbus-based. So, Jason, if you make your way to Columbus over New Year's, feel free to let me know. Oh, okay. So, I think, do you know where, yeah, where are you going to be? I, I think I'm going to be based out of Toledo during it, but I might be all over the place. So it's, it's hard to know. Toledo. Let's see. Let's get a yeah. map open. That's closer to Michigan than yeah. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I know we're going to be opening stuff all over the, the state. So who knows? Hmm. Dude, this is not close to Cincinnati. This is really disappointing. Oh, man. This is so far away from Cincinnati. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Literally opposite end of the, the state. Oh, my God. Let's see how far it is. Because I, I want you to spend New Year's Eve in Cincinnati. I think it would be a perfect uh, segment on the show. Oh, three hours. I guess it's not that far. You drive through Columbus, drive through Dayton. Man, everything in the Midwest is so much closer than <laughs> out in the West. Or, Yeah, okay. So offers there. I just want to let you know. No, I appreciate offers it. Yeah, there. I definitely appreciate it. I will, uh, as, I, as I get my, my itinerary, I'll let, uh, let you know. Uh, here's one from, oh man, we got a lot of voicemails from Chief. Um, we talked about Siegel's pay, right? We We did. about that? Okay. So this is one from Kyle in California. Uh, we got a couple about this topic. Uh, on Max Siegel's 2021 pay, not only did he make over 11% of USATF's total revenue, his COO made over 1.5 million too. That's over 15% of their revenue going to pay people at the top of a sport where many Olympic level athletes work uh, multiple jobs while they try to prepare for their next season. Even while there's that Siegel made over 4 million in 2018, at least for his 2021 tax return, you could claim that the planning and prep for Eugene during a pandemic meant more responsibility for him. The comparison to other sports commissioners like Roger Goodell don't really work out well for Siegel either. Goodell and the others are not only running much larger organizations, they're being paid by team owners to protect league profitability and take the public relations heat so the owners don't have to do it. Siegel is ostensibly running a nonprofit and working to promote the sport all the way down to the local level. I'll end this before I start a general rant against CEO pay, but Siegel's base salary was under 600000 so most of his money comes from bonuses given by the board that selected him. Must be nice. And then we got, I'm sure some of these voicemails are about the topic too, but there's another one here from... Marshall, who says, I just want to chime in on Mr. Siegel's much debated compensation package. Being the CPA that I am, we need some CPA analysis here, Jason. I dug into both the USATF tax return and audited financial statements. First off, the $3.8 million compensation was for the year ending December 31st, 2021, i.e. does not include Eugene 2022. The $3.8 million is composed of $685,000 of base salary, $500,000 bonus, $2.57 of other. More on that in a minute. That'll be $2.57 million. $31.2,000 in non-taxable benefits. This includes membership to Mr. Siegel's health and social clubs and his first class or charter travel. The filing also notes that compensation is reviewed annually with comparability data from other similar national governing bodies. Unfortunately, it does not disclose what those governing bodies are. Mr. Siegel also received a $953,000 loan without a written agreement, no less, for payroll taxes on a distribution of formerly deferred compensation, which I think is the $2.57 million of other income. Essentially, he deferred pay from prior years to this, akin to the Bobby Bonilla contract. That's a famous thing that people can Google. Yep. The loan is due January 2023. Total USATF compensation expenses uh, was $9.67 million, 7.3 went to 13 employees. Oof. The remaining $2.3 million was spread among 69 other employees. That's $33,000 per employee. Woof. For those counting at home, Siegel accounted for 39 
percent of compensation expense, while the top 13 accounted for 75 percent compensation. Siegel and CEO uh, Renee Washington took home 55 percent of the total compensation. So that's sort of like what Kyle was saying, but he broke it down another way. Amongst he broke it down. Not by revenue, but by compensation. Yeah. I'll also note that USATF lost money in 2021, approximately 890K. Uh, it had 34.6 million of revenue, 20.2 million from the Nike contract, which includes 900K of donated athlete uniforms for Tokyo 2020. 900K? Jesus. The sticker price <laughs> on those. Gold in the uniforms? And $35.5 million of expenses, $11.1 million on athlete expenses, but only $2.3 million on prize money. USATF paid $531K for COVID-19 testing to SGM Premier Medical, which is headquartered in Hawaii. I I find it hard to believe this was the most cost-efficient option. I could also argue for financial mismanagement as the entity had approximately $15.1 million cash on hand and another $11 million of investments, yet was using a revolving line of credit throughout the year Cost 454k in interest expense. I don't. I'm not smart enough to understand that. Uh, that's why I need to hire Marshall. Meanwhile, the, the entity's diversified portfolio is racking up investment fees, about 0.5 percent, when they could just invest in a low-cost index fund for 0.04 percent and save themselves 70k a year. Vanguard, anyone? I'm sure there are other nuggets to be gleaned here, but that'll have to wait for another day. All the best. That's Marshall from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Drink. All right. I remember last week I said they they should just hire me and pay me pay me a lot less. But it seems clear they should just hire Marshall. True. To iron this whole thing out. I get the whole like travel thing because you know it's a bu- it's like a perk, and you want to like attract somebody. And the way you attract somebody, keep them happy in a job, is you have these great perks. But to me, I think one of the benefits if you're rich and famous to traveling, and you need like more expensive travel. So you can kind of just have privacy and like, cause it's got, you can't like squeeze into like a middle seat Southwest if you're like Michelle branch, you know, like you just, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. If you're but making somebody, your way downtown, no, like that's Vanessa Carlton. Well, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you don't, yeah, you don't need a plane to make your way downtown. Um, <laughs> but if you're going everywhere, yeah, everywhere to me, you don't need like, it just, it kind of comes across as a slap in the face, right? Like you're not, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, of all the, of all the things to spend money on, like, and, and the health club that's, we're going to charge this out. And I mean, some of the stuff they're clearly upselling on like Nike's 900 K on uniforms. <laughs> like what? Seems a little, seems a little high. That doesn't, that doesn't, there's not, there's, yeah, I don't even know how that, was there other stuff rolled in there? I don't know. Any other takeaways from this email? Good email, Marshall. Yeah, no, it's great email. Um, yeah, just seems like uh, not doing the, the best money management job, basically, is what I'm, what I'm gleaning. Understatement of the year goes to Jason. <laughs> well done. Okay. Um, so, next one, we're going to go to, oh, here it is. This is from Eric from Minneapolis, formerly from Atlanta. Drink. First-time emailer, medium-time listener, I wanted to weigh in on the conversation from a few weeks ago about what the six U.S.-based major marathons would be. I decided that each race should be the top of some category to qualify. I start with Boston as the oldest and most historic, and New York is the biggest. I would leave Chicago out because it is big, fast, and historic, but not the top of any of those. For fastest, I would pick CIM, but also consider Houston and Philly. My next category is most scenic, 
So I'd have Big Sur, but also consider Grandma's. The next category I wanted to include was the hardest marathon. I'm not really sure what to include here. Most of the very hard races like Pikes Peak fall outside the realm of mainstream or major level marathon. Any listener suggestions for this one? Maybe replace this category with best destination race and say Honolulu. Honolulu's course is also tough. Um, and it starts like really early in the morning. So there's like pitch black dark for the first bunch of miles. So I'm, I'm fine putting Honolulu in. The last category I have is best feature or gimmick. Lots of candidates here like the giant metal at Little Rock, running to Canada and back for Detroit, and the optional extra 0.3 miles in the Route 66 marathon. Extra 0.3 miles in the Route 66. So you get 26.5? Um, yeah. I was just Why wondering. wouldn't you do extra 0.4 so you have 26.6 on Route 66? Oh, okay. I'm reading this link. This is in Tulsa. The Center of the University Tour offers runners a unique opportunity to run extra 0.3 miles to visit Tulsa's historic center of the universe. Stand on the designated spot or and speak or shout. Who stand at the center of the brick circle and talk will hear themselves echo, but others outside the circle will not hear the echo. Eerie. No wonder we call it the center of the universe. What? I'm so confused. Do you know what this place is? I, I don't. Uh, but now i got to look it up. Center of the Universe in Tulsa. It's too bad they can't put this on the course. I was thinking that six, like the extra point six. Uh, oh, okay. Anyway, I'll continue. Uh, but for my money, I'll include Disney Marathon getting to run through all the parks. Interested in hearing about other gimmicks. Other listeners know about it. Thanks. That's Eric. Uh, yeah. I just... Chicago, I get it. It's not the best... In, in one specific category, uh, but it has it has the history. And it's Chicago. Right? It's an awesome city. Everyone wants to go it's to Chicago. Ma- Come on, guys. It's a, it's a major city. I like. I like considering Honolulu, though. Yeah, I'm not against that. That's one of the more famous ones too, and they put together legit fields as well too. So I think Honolulu deserves some consideration. Okay, do you have a update on the center of the universe? Yeah, so I'm looking at this now. Um, so when he was talking about, you know, you see the echo and stuff, I was picturing some sort of enclosed or at least partially enclosed thing, but no. it appears to just be some bricks just kind of in the middle of the open air, and apparently you'll hear an echo if you're in the middle of it, but no one outside the circle will hear it. That Okay, I, I'm intrigued enough by that where I might, well, I wouldn't want to run .3 miles during a marathon out of my way because it's a long way. You're already running. Yeah. But I'd run .3 the miles there for sure. You can just visit. I'm uh, I'm intrigued, Tulsa. If anyone's done this, let me know. I'm intrigued. Why? Yeah, but I don't understand. Why does it make the noise? Yeah, I, I, I. No one can. You can't. I mean, at least it. as far as I can. I mean, I'm sure there's something written in here. Oh, it's a little-known mysterious acoustic phenomenon, according to Atlas uh, Obscura. Oh, I like that website. Uh, surprised you heard of it. It's pretty obscure. <laughs> um. Yeah, if you stand in the middle of the circle, make a noise, the sound is echoed back. So, dude, I was just in Tulsa for world. Oh for man, country. I could have figured this out. Nothing to do. Ended up watching a Thunder game on TV. Don't do that, kids. Um, yeah, okay, it's a phenomenon. Need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, this is this is this is cool. I like this. You know, root, the Route sixty six element is kind of interesting. That's about, true about Tulsa. I get my kicks there. Okay, <laughs> enough of this, enough of this, enough, I say. 
Uh, here we go. Next email, and then we're gonna do a bunch of voicemails to close out the show. Uh, we got actually we got two more here. This is from Noah. Yeah. Which Noah you want? You would want to know always. Uh, Zorgan Noah. Gotcha. Although he didn't sign it, I just know at this point. Uh, there was some question of whether or not Hassan Mead was actually retired by the end of the summer. This comes after the, the positive tests that we talked about on a previous episode. I would cast my vote for yes, he was. My daughter and I ran into him at the Portland airport on July 29th. I, did, I think he sent an email about this at the time. And Meade could not have looked more retired that day. He was super chill, dressed like a boss, drinking an early lunch IPA. He was definitely not worried about getting his miles in. I know your listeners can't see the photos, but he had uh, certainly locked in the retired guy outfit and retirement beard, which is definitely true. We got a button undone. Big beard. That said, can you guess if these runners are still competing, even though I would have assumed they were all retired? Well, I think you gave us all the answers there. Um, his, the three runners he lists, Diego Estrada, Eric Jenkins, and Fernando Cabada. All people we've talked about in the show. Diego Estrada still racing. His best race this year was 28-40 in Boston on the roads. Eric Jenkins still racing. Ran a 339-1500 in Canada this year. Fernando Cabada still racing. Ran 216 at the Duluth Marathon. I guess my point is that you sort of need to let someone know if you're retired or not. It is hard to keep track of everyone in the sport since we don't have real teams. And a lot of the people you would think are retired aren't. Heck, I think I was supposed to tell the JV coach when I went home early from a track meet so they'd know where everyone was. If a high school kid can be asked to check out before leaving, so can the pros. That is Noah. Yeah, I think and we might have touched on this last time. If not, I my my reasoning for like why they don't is because running is a sport since it's an individual sport. A lot of times people are like, ah, I think I'm done, but then they keep running and they want to keep the window open or the door open. No, unless it's drafty outside, probably just the window, but they want to keep the option open to come back. Hey, I'm kind of just doing low key stuff right now, but let me jump in this race. Also is, is running for some people running, you know, a marathon in two sixteen or two eighteen would mean basically they're retired and then they're just still doing it for fun. So like what's the threshold? Do you have to be competing in a certain amount of races per year? Do you have to run a certain time? Obviously we know at the highest level what that would look like to not be retired. But but since professional running blends into amateur running, especially on the roads, it's hard to tell. Hey, are you well, I'm actually working as a financial planner and then i'm just still running because i love running right okay but then but then you run an olympic trials qual like what i mean how does that you know like it's it's just the sport operates at this weird intersection of pro and amateur so it doesn't surprise me that there's issues when people go to retire yeah no that's a good point it's yeah because a lot of people i mean runners like to run <laughs> and you know right. especially like yeah. <clears throat> distance runners they might just like just keep like I said run a random local races or whatever, or just like to run to, you know, stay in shape, different things like that, but not doing it. And then there's also the aspect, if you're not, if you're not like real famous, if you're not metal contention famous, yeah, yeah, you're not getting asked, you know, by maybe the media or different things a lot. Like, Hey, are you, you know, are you, you going to, you know, shoot for the Olympics next year? Are you still aiming for the world championships? Especially like, and Hassan Mee was a, was a good runner, obviously made some teams like, you know, yeah, ran some good times, US title, yeah. but as you kind of slip from your, from your peak, right. And, yeah. and you start to slide off and maybe you're not really 
in contention for those anymore. That's where that line gets really, really gray of, hey, is this guy still around? And you're not getting asked about as much because you're not in the consciousness, right? So it's just, it's it's like easy. I could see how it would be kind of easy to slip. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe people just aren't like, you know, it's one thing if you're, if you're Allison Felix, then you could, you could put up the whole, you know, hey, goodbye tour. This is my final year and everyone's going to celebrate you because you're Allison Felix. And that's, you know, it's a different thing. But for the people who are, you know, like I said, had really good careers in that kind of middle ground, it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. Well, Take us off of Powell, for example. Yeah. Just, just announced he was retired, and a lot of people were probably thinking, okay, but he's is he done? But then you look back, and he competed last year yeah. or this year. And it's like, like he, yeah. he competed on the track this year. So, yeah, it's just tough because you can you don't need to be signed by a team. So you can enter a race and run a time that is nowhere near – your best time and nowhere near a time that would get you a professional contract if you were on the, on the come up. Right. But people are like, Oh, maybe they'll get back into shape. But, and then a lot of times the people who are on longer contracts, right? Like they're still running cause they're under contract. Yeah. But they're going to run just a couple times a year cause they've been hurt or like they, they know that like, this is, this is it. And that's, that's, but like, I don't know. I'm like weeding announces retirement. Like I remember that. Yeah. He actually said it, but, and if someone like Centro doesn't say I'm retired, then that would be weird, but you're right. They get asked questions about it. It's and, like, yeah. Once you're a gold medalist, like it's part of like, you're, you're, yeah. it, it's, you're, you're held, to, held to a different standard. Well, and a lot of them just don't want the attention because they've operated essentially an anonymity their whole career so it's sort of weird for them to like draw attention to themselves of hey i'm i'm retired like i appreciated alexa ephraimson announcing her retirement because um she could have just as easily just sort of not shown up and then you find out a couple years later yeah i think that's it but i think part of it you're right part of it is no one's asking them part of it is you're kind of going back and forth anyway of what's the difference between running and like i'm a runner for life right i'm just gonna keep going yeah and the other and then i think the other part of it is too people don't know which is related to the last one people don't know when they're done and they keep thinking they can recapture it and by the time they know they're done done they'd probably feel weird saying hey i'm retired right i know you haven't seen a result for me for four years but i'm retired and they're just like well whatever no one no one no one really cares anymore about me I've moved on with my life. I'm not going to make a big statement out of it because I haven't run a fast time in four years. But those three years in between, they were still training and trying to give it one last go. Maybe they picked up a a job on the side. They began that transition, but they were leaving the opportunity open to come back, and it just wasn't happening. And because it's an individual sport, that sort of stuff can happen. Yeah. Like if someone's not playing basketball for three years, you're you're like, all right, they're probably done because – you they'd show up on a roster somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. May not be in the United States, but they'll show up on a on a roster somewhere. Somewhere throughout the world. And someone will know where they are. And then you'd say, okay, well they're still going. They're still going. And then when they're done, they would they they would announce it because teams would want to know, hey, can I sign this person? And if they say, No, you can't, they'd say, Well, why? Because <laughs> I'm retired. Right. Okay. Now we have an answer. 
and they, they wouldn't keep it secret. So, all right, here's John from North London. Yeah. Hey guys. Hope you're both well. After the exciting announcement of Ilya Kipchoge finally running the Boston Marathon this April and potentially also taking on the New York City Marathon in November, I was wondering, are these marathons also perfect preparation for his long-term goal of gold in Paris 2024? The course for Paris was released recently and appears to be very demanding and hilly. Kipchoge finally opting to tick off his six stars, if he does run New York City this year, may not just be part of a legacy-enhancing bucket list, but rather a more calculated decision to prepare for Paris 2024. Hmm. So he's on the argument of has everything mapped out at breakfast, like you were saying before. Running London and Berlin, again, may have left too much to chance heading into the hills of the Paris Olympic Marathon. Do you think this was part of his decision-making process? Or is it just time to get it done before it's too late? Thanks, as always, for the great pod. That is John from North London. Hadn't thought about it, to be honest, because I heard the Paris course was tough, but I didn't know how tough. I don't know how tough. So wouldn't surprise me if he's thinking that far ahead. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's, again, yeah, he could be playing 40 chess here, and I'm like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, And it does make, I mean, it does make sense to run those, but also... Maybe he just wanted to do them. Like it's so hard to know. Um, I'm glad. Either way, I'm glad he's he's doing Boston and hopefully New York as well. But yeah, it makes some sense. And I mean, he's you know he's obviously been good. He's two gold uh, Olympic gold medals. So mm-hmm. I don't. <clears throat> it's worked out pretty well. I'm not for him. worried about him. You know, in those scenarios. But it's you know if you're constantly running Berlin and London, like it is nice to to throw in a different uh, feeling from time to time. I think. I mean, the big takeaway that we had for Berlin last year was, oh, he knew he was in world record shape. So that's why he did it. Right. Right? Don't, we're on the same page on that I think one? so, yeah. Because we thought before, all right, this is weird. Oh, this is kind of a bummer. Why doesn't he run a race he hasn't been to before? And, oh, maybe they just they gave him a gigantic sum of money, which, you know, that all could be true. They could have given him a crazy amount of money. But I think, consensus has settled on yeah he knew he had a shot to lower his record so he was going to do that while he could still do it he could take care of the other stuff later so it wouldn't surprise me if his mind works that way and everything is setting up for the next thing you know even going back to the first breaking two attempt that was prop he got close enough so a second one was feasible now all the financial incentives had to align for that to that event to take place but it just it feels like he does things with the future in mind all while dominating the present and ta- and he always talks about being focused on the present and all this other stuff but I, I do think there is some of that so that wouldn't surprise me that being said i think he has a better chance of losing in boston than he would in the olympics uh just because the field's going to be bigger yeah field's gonna be yeah bigger. i guess I mean, it's, yeah. I don't, it's low, it's low in both. But. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, I, I certainly say that about London because the, how deep and Dude, good those fields are. I mean, this Boston field's yeah. good, but usually Boston's not crazy deep either. Um, so I haven't seen the full, you know, lineup, but I imagine, uh, yeah. it'll, it, I think it'll be similar to a, to a Olympic type, you know, field. All right, so we got uh, two voicemails from Chief. First one was from December 1st. It's on Siegel. So we'll play that one, and then you can just do the other one next to it from um, Monday um, where he talks about 
uh, U.S. champs being in Eugene this year. What up, boys? This is Chief from Illinois, now in Annapolis. Drink your milk, Braylon. It's been a long time, but um, I could come up with 3.5 million reasons why I, I didn't call in, but but now I've got one. So I was calling in to congratulate Max Siegel on being the highest-paid USA track and field athlete. He's really worked hard. He's trained his butt off for this. Um, no, but in all seriousness, I, I'm curious your opinions on on this. Um, the fact that Max is making 3.8 million when revenue is only uh, 33.5 million. The justification from the board was it's in line with others uh, in similar in similar companies and similar um, organizations. So I did a little bit of research. It looks like USA Swimming has similar revenue. In fact, a little bit more, $37 million. And they pay their CEO just shy of a million dollars. So um, I'm, that points null and void that it's in line with others. Um, there's several other examples, but I'll save that for another time. Uh, just love to hear your guys' thoughts on Max making uh, about nine ten percent of the total revenue with that piece, boys. So before I play the other one, can I jump in here real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. I mean, we talked about this a bunch now, and the emailers have given uh, a thorough vetting of uh, all, all of the of the documents. But I will say, okay, so you put his you put his salary to where USA Swimming salary is, right? Yeah. So round a million, so a couple million less. Is that if you took out that? couple million is it going to change everything with track and field no 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 of course not 100%, yeah because on the on the macro that's just not it's not a ton of money when you're talking about how many athletes are involved in the sport but people athletes and participants they don't think about things in the macro we think about things in the micro right and how it affects you so if you're an athlete there struggling to get by and you know 10 other athletes who are struggling to get by and then you start doing the math of man if this guy just and he was making what the swimming CEO was. He could, he could make it so we wouldn't have to take out a second. We wouldn't have to have a, a, a another job, right? And that's where you understand why where all the complaints are coming from. The other part of it, which we talked about last time, which is like, what's the value generated from his his tenure, right? You sign the Nike deal, but what else can you point to? What's the value of a replacement? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they're both important. I think the optics of it like are important too. And like I said, yeah, you, I mean you can distribute distribute that money and and do other things. And I think it, you know, like I said, it doesn't make a drastic difference. It doesn't change the way we're watching sport. Could it help a little bit? Sure. Um, but also, it just you know, when when you see that big number next to it, it it's just it's a bad look. Yeah. And I don't blame runners for being mad about it. All right, next one. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois, now in Indianapolis. Drink your milk, Braylon. Boys, I'm going to call to complain once again about USATF going back to Eugene. Okay, I know they have a great stadium. I went there. It's all right. Definitely overhyped, but it's a pain in the ass to get to. Can we please do something to grow the sport? How about generating revenue through ticket sales of a place that people can actually get to for under $2,000 for the week. It's seriously, it's like $1,000 to fly into Eugene from anywhere. And if you don't fly into Eugene, you have to fly into Portland. I know I'm complaining, but 
we've got to do better as a as a organization. USATF, you've got to do better. With that, peace, boys. Did you ever reveal how much your flight was from Las Vegas? I think so. I think it was like what was it like uh, eighty nine dollars away or something like that. <laughs> it was less than two hundred. It was. Though, it yeah. was insane. Yeah, it was. I think like so. Jason's bucks. good. Um, Jason's good. So Las Vegas is the way to go to Eugene, guys. Um, obviously, um, but I, I can, you know, from from everyone else's standpoint, I could I can understand. It's a little bit of a pain. Um, you know, it's not a major city. Obviously, I. I'm not against necessarily like the U.S. championships or whatever moving around, but I also don't think anybody's going to make that meet as good as Eugene would in the United States. So let's look at who could host it. Let's just take stock. We do this every year. Sacramento's hosted stuff. Des Moines hosted stuff. Eugene's obviously hosted stuff. You know, Texas has hosted an NCAA championship recently, and they're going to host the next one outdoors. Um, and then you have potential Mount Sac, right? And they were going to host the – the the trials and then there was that whole big dispute about the construction of the stadium and they had a falling out between them and USATF. That's really it. There's not that many stadiums that are built. I mean, and even even Texas Stadium, I'm guessing they don't have the proper specs. Um, I mean, in Austin in the summer is just probably a no go. Um, yeah. So so the list is very small. So where do you have a stadium? Right. Where do you have volunteers? Where do you have the infrastructure? Where do you have the desire to put on this kind of meat? It's very small. It is a very, very small pool of places that will be willing to do it. That has not changed in the 12, 13 years we've been in the show. 12? 12, right? This is year 13, yeah. In the 12 plus years we've been in the show, that hasn't changed. We've been having the same conversation. There was a time when Eugene was not involved as much in the hosting of meets during that time period, you know, cities like new Orleans and Indianapolis hosted big meets and stuff. LA track did not grow exponentially then, right? You could argue it was in a better place than it is now, but it wasn't, it wasn't booming. We'll say, you know, the time that it was booming was, was, you know, decades prior to that when it was like in the, in the seventies, right? And you see the photos of, the Los Angeles forum, like packed to the brim to see pre run the mile. Like that's what, that's what people are thinking about, but that's, that's long gone now, but we have had a time in recent history when Eugene wasn't in the mix and I, I, and it didn't produce, um, didn't produce this big financial windfall for track. Um, that said, you know, I was pretty vocal about, the disappointing attendance of both USA's and worlds last year. I know you were as well in Eugene. We didn't, I mean, we, we attributed USA's to everybody wanting to come back for worlds. And then you, we attributed worlds not being hundred percent sold out to what it being, it being expensive. So it sort of became this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think worlds was good. Not, yeah. not mind blowing. I mean, the other stuff, you know, it was like, Hey, we have NCAAs, we have, yeah. USA's it was it was overkill and yeah USA's yeah. was 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 uh, underwhelming for sure but I thought Worlds was you know I think the outrage on the Worlds was a little over overdone oh a hundred percent on the outrage but it 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 didn't blow you out of the water and I felt like it should have because it's Eugene it, this is what they should have been able to do should have blown everybody out of the water it didn't it didn't with the attend there were some especially some sessions that you know 
you wanted that, and I make fun of the people in London for being so proud that their morning sessions are filled. But you wanted the morning sessions filled, yeah. right? No, that's you fair. You wanted, yeah, you wanted that level of interest and, and excitement. They did great with all the, you know, the other stuff, and it and it turned out really, and it was a solid championship meet. I get it. It was in a place that I'm fond of, that I've been to a bunch of times, right? So, I I enjoyed that part of it. But it but it wasn't as if it's like, all right, you guys created you know, this, this attendance couldn't have been replicated elsewhere. Now for a diamond league meet, are you going to get better attendance elsewhere than what you do for the pre? I don't think so. But for worlds, that was the first time when I thought, okay, yeah, someone could rival this for Eugene could, could rival Eugene for this. But what the other cities wouldn't have would be the army of volunteers. Again, all the organization, all the, all the, um, people willing to devote their time and energy and the people who are paid, right, the the intellectual capital that's involved um, in pulling off a meet like that. Like, you don't have that in that many other places. You have it in the places that I mentioned before. So that's why it goes to the same places. Um, if USA's was in Des Moines next year, I mean, we've had that meet in Des Moines. I, I like Des Moines. Des Moines is a cool city. I have a, I have a good time there. They, got, they have knowledgeable fans there, too. But I don't think it changes anything drastically. It would be interesting to see which meets make the most money, to his point about money. Yeah. Or lose the least amount of money, I guess might be a better way to put it. That would be that would be interesting to see. Like which which city is able to pull it off for the best margins. With the best margins. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I'm not definitely not against if they, you know, some other city steps up, bigger city, easier city to travel to stay in whatever it is like i'm not against that at all um they couldn't do a diamond league meet in new york the diamond league left new york now they've since put another meet there right but that's pretty damning yeah that speaks to where we're at all right uh i think we got two more right from the same yes non non chief <laughs> non chief here we go yeah go ahead field town here uh indeed Race walking is a curious thing, even for uh, us ultra folks. But indeed, uh, it is the precursor to a lot of what we now consider to be ultra running. Pedestrianism was really an outgrowth of aggressive betting, and that's really where a lot of arcane rules and minutiae that we see in track and field come from. Everybody wants... Uh, a fair game when you have money on the line. Of course, then doping was kind of really encouraged, uh, but they had these aggressive walking contests, and then as people started running, initially there was pushback, but then there was quickly accepted, and these contests became known as go-as-you-please instead of uh, pedestrian contests. And that was really the age, the professional age. There were high-stakes uh these were high stakes contests and people could really train full time. Anyway, so even within ultra running, um, a strict walking rule uh, did, a lot, did not last very long. So whatever walking we see now, I don't think is necessarily an outgrowth of uh, ultra running. Cheers. I think we got a part two there from this is from Steelhead Runner. Yeah. Steel Town Runner, runner, not Steel. Yeah. Steel, he is not a fish. Steelhead runner. Sorry, Jesus. No respect for the ultras, Kevin. As usual, I had I had 
fishing on my mind. I had trout. <laughs> is it trout? It's steelhead trout? Is that correct? I think that's right, right? That sounds right. Okay. You're the big fishing guy of the two of us. Huh? I don't know. I just... <laughs> when I was a kid. You're good with... You're good, with the, you're good with the poles. Yeah. The sticks and the poles. Sorry. Go ahead. Here we go. Steel Town Runner. Steel Town here. Part two there of race walking. Let's uh, go. Steel Town here. Part two on race walking. Uh, speaking chiefly out of ignorance here, but um, if we are to measure how far someone can throw something, how heavy any given shot is in a shot put, or if we are care much about steeplechase, which is a holdover from, like, real cross-country, um, far be it for me to ridicule race walking, as silly as it seems. Um, but, indeed, race walking is probably the best recap that you can get of it, of the pedestrian era. It's really a bit of a quite digestible read. Um, an entertaining read is written by a guy... Um, Matthew Algeo was the writer, A-L-G-E-O, and somehow the guy wrote about it, the phenomenon, in recent years, and he wrote it while being totally unaware of the modern world of uh, ultra-running and, like, fixed-time running and uh, these multi-days, which really had, a, I guess, a revival in the, 19, in the late 1970s. Um, but really the heyday was around 1900 till really through about the Depression, through, I guess, the uh, early 1930s. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for now. Cheers. Did you know Did you know the deep, deep history of pedestrianism? I Jason? did not know this at all. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. completely <laughs> learning something new here. Um, and uh, People betting on race walk. I'm still not over that. I know it's yeah, the fact that it all really stemmed from gambling. And at first, people would start <laughs> running. They were like, hey, no, unfair. Stop. Yeah. Then we're like, well, maybe this will be better. And yeah. they're like, hey, do whatever you want. And then I like to picture the few of the guys were like, well, I'm not going to shame myself with running. I'm going to continue my, my jaunt mm-hmm. here <laughs> as I'm getting getting walked over by these these guys running. Um, yeah. So it's weird. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think race walking is weird, but doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it should go away. I think it's just strange. It's just one of those things that I don't fully get. But uh, hey, it has its it has its fans. It has this history that's much cooler than I thought it would be. Did you have any FanDuel same day parlays for Kimberly Garcia Leon during the World Championships when she pulled off her double? <sighs> Man, I I really missed out my opportunities there. Um, what if race walk? See, here's what race walking should do. Yeah, this is what this should be the plan for race walking. They should get back to their roots, right? They should secede from world athletics. That way, they can just really go in hard on gambling. Mm, I like it because I'm sure there's some parameters around um, gambling at sporting events, like oh through, yeah, that are that are sanctioned by world athletics, right? So let's go back to your let's get back to your roots and let's just go hard in on it and have the athletes race a ton, a variety of distances, publicize it to the masses and 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 get get uh, get a get a sponsor. Yeah, there like that, is there any uh, reason it couldn't be on like with heavy gambling between like cornhole and axe throwing that's on ESPN2 like all day? Well, cuz people are people gambling on cornhole and I axe mean, throwing. I mean, I don't know, it should be. Like it could, well, it could be even bigger. I just feel like it should bigger. be 
this is like the start of the movie where they're like, well, we found this old statute that apparently never got repealed where only gambling on race walking is allowed. Yeah. And it live sporting events and, and it's it, and it's like the kind of gambling where it's like people are holding up different dollars and it's getting thrown into this big pot and there's like one yeah, yeah, controlling yeah. it all. Uh, like yeah. that's how I want it real, real old school. Yeah. But then it you you do that for show, but it's all it's all still managed digitally. It's it's the same way people want to pull the lever on the slot machine, even though you can just push the button, right? Yeah. You just push the button over and over and over again because technology is advanced to that point. But people still want to pull the level. So people can hold up the, the – I got 20 over here. Okay, that sounds like an auctioneer. But yeah. you get my point of – yeah, you're, 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 you're holding up your dollars. Yeah, maybe you get fake money just to, just to, to role play that. Mm. But then really you're on the apps and you're losing a ton of money in cryptocurrency in this world that I've created. You in or not in my alternate race walking world? I mean, 100% in. I don't know about the crypto part. That's the one part I am I think I'm out on. Um, but even oh, not, even the old-timey just, voices, you know, Searsider hats, braver. all that stuff, yeah, sign me up. You got to be braver if you're not in on crypto. You got fortune favors the – what did Matt Damon say? <laughs> right. in that ad? It's uh, worked out well for, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I I think there should be more, yeah, more of a, a desire to connect to their roots here. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It could be interesting. I'm interesting tournament. Maybe all of road running goes that way. Maybe they all secede. And then people are doing three race parlays. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not even a big gambler. Like I know I work in sports betting and all this stuff, but like I don't gamble that much. But I do find it makes sports much more interesting that you don't normally care about. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole thing of fantasy and all these other things, right? Like it's like give me a reason to watch the Texans game. Right, like mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's weird for me because the reason I watch sports is I find sports interesting. I don't I don't need another reason to watch them, but there are a lot of people who need that extra level to feel alive or something. Yeah, so they risk so they risk their own their own money. Pickleball is having a moment now. Pickleball is big, related, very big. It's not related not related to gambling. It's more participation. Yeah, but see, these sports have they can bubble up. You do the right things at the right time, you can create some momentum. I mean, I remember when we were in college watching poker on ESPN. That was huge, huge, and and now it's no longer on television. I really is it? I, I think it is on like late night. It's randomly I'll, I'll stumble Twitch across or something it. Yeah. like that. Probably all on Twitch. All where all the kids are, uh, the youths of America. All right, that's it. We're gonna leave it there. Um, if we miss something, we'll get to it next week. Although I don't think we did. Next week will be a lighter show, I'm sure. Uh, the email address, please send us emails. We're going to do our award show coming up, so if you have nominees or mm. fun categories, yeah. uh, pitch them to us. Pitch them to us. The email address, houseofrun at gmail.com. I am Kevin. He is Jason. We will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, everyone. Wilson Contreras, goodbye. Yeah, it's Cardinals. <laughs>